Good morning. My name's Sarah. Nice if I haven't met you before. I'm glad you're here. We're, um, I want us to look at um, a couple of verses in Isaiah 43 this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. And the verses will come up behind me, but if you've got your Bible, do grab that out. So Isaiah 43, um, we're going to start at verse 10. So we're going to jump in at verse 10 and read verses 10 to 13. But before I do that, um, why don't we pray? God, I want to thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're faithful. Um, and thank you that you're always speaking. Thank you that you've always got good things to say to us. Um, thank you, God, that you've not given up on any of us, that you've not finished your beautiful work in each one of us. Um, and Lord, we want to just take steps forward this morning into the things that you have for us to do and to be. Um, so we just ask Holy Spirit, just come and open up um, the word of God to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, so Isaiah 43, verses 10 to 13. It says this, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no saviour. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I, and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, from ancient of days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? Isaiah 43 is one of my favorite bits of Isaiah. I love it. It's, um, and I want to start with this little phrase, but it's such a profound, um, it's such a profound truth. Um, where God says here that we are those that he's chosen, so that opening verse I read is, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen. Um, God choosing us um, is a massive privilege. It brings such purpose and dignity to our lives. And actually, the, the very opening verses of Isaiah 43, um, he says, um, do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So I think sometimes we get this idea that there's the sort of generic choosing of you know, people who believe in Jesus, God generically chooses all of them. But actually, the Bible makes it really clear that we're individually chosen and called by name. You know, so sometimes well, God loves us. He does love us, but equally, he loves you individually. And so being chosen by God is, and you are individually, uniquely chosen by God and called by name individually. Um, it's amazing. And it gives such protection and purpose to our lives. And, and you see this idea of God's um, of us being God's chosen ones, actually right the way through the Bible. Um, in Ephesians 1, where Paul is talking about, you know, the amazing spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus. In verses 4 and 5, it says, He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. So, But they're right out there from the beginning. You know, before even he created the world, you were chosen you were chosen. That's amazing. Um, and you were chosen to be holy, to be blameless. And it's, it's all because of God's love that we've sung about and prayed about this morning. Um, in love, he pre-planned to adopt us to sonship. And I love the way this bit finishes. It says, in accordance with his pleasure and his will. So to me, that says it actually is what God wanted to do, and it makes, it hap- makes him happy. So to choose me to choose you, to adopt you, to adopt me as a son, as a daughter, is what God wanted to do. It was his will, but it also makes him really happy. It's not a kind of, you know, begrudging, well, I have to. Like, it actually makes God really happy to love us, to choose us, to adopt us into his family. 
But the other thing, being chosen by God, as well as kind of bringing enormous comfort um, and security, actually it's, it brings real protection. And this, you know, this part of, key part of my identity as a deeply loved but individually chosen and called daughter of God, actually that is, that brings real protection and strength to me. In um, Romans 8 verse 3, 33 it says this, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. I love that verse. The New Living Translation actually translates it, who dares accuse those God has chosen for his own? And listen, we need to be wise. As much as you know, God, is, God has chosen us, you know, but there is reality that we are in a spiritual battle and there is a real spiritual enemy. And you know, one of the things the Bible calls the devil is the accuser of the saints. You know, one of the enemy's prime tactics is to accuse and you know, to accuse us, to accuse God, to accuse other people, to accuse the church, constantly pointing out things. You know, you're not good enough. Well, God's not with you. He's not going to protect you. Well, you're not forgiven. You know, you're, you know, you're still disqualified because you did that six years ago. Well, you missed that opportunity. Well, you made a mistake there. You know, you're, not, you know, you're never going to have a, a job that gives you enough money. You're never going to be able to buy that house. You're never going to meet a husband. You're never going to be able to have children. Like just accusation, accusation all the time. You name it. And it's this list of these charges. That's what Paul's saying, Romans 8. Actually, it's like these charges that the enemy would love to hold up against us. But what Romans 8 tells us is, for all there might be this list of charge. And listen, the reality is the enemy might almost might be entirely accurate in pointing out, I'm not good enough. I did make a mistake. I did get that wrong. I haven't managed to do that yet. Like that might be entirely accurate, but there needs to be something in me that is almost a little bit indignant in terms of actually... But who dares accuse me? That might, you know, I might have made that mistake, but I'm chosen by God and he justifies me. So, so that just doesn't, that doesn't, those charges don't stick anymore because I'm chosen by God. You know, the enemy is constantly going to accuse us and highlight our lack, you know, our past, our limitations, current challenges in our situations, maybe uncertainty. He's constantly going to want to point those things out and keep our eyes fixed on our lack and accuse us, accuse God, accuse other people, that my being chosen by God, your being chosen by God, actually is part of your protection. And that needs to be part of your response to accusation. It needs to be almost a bit of sass about us. It's like, actually, no, I'm chosen. I'm chosen by God. It's profoundly encouraging, comforting, protecting. And it, so it kind of sets up these three verses. There's so much in them and almost there's like bookends at the beginning and end of them. This first bit, actually saying you are chosen by God as witnesses and as servants. Yes, sons and daughters, but we're called to bear witness and we're called to serve God, but in a position of friendship and sonship. But so there's that at the beginning, you're chosen by God. And then the last couple of phrases in, in um, verse 13, again, just brings this real purpose and security where God says, from ancient of days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? It's beautiful. Again, the New Living Translation actually translates it like this. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. So if you, if you pull that alongside Romans 8, saying, who dares accuse those that God has chosen? There's such security and, and certainty and permanence surrounding us. I am chosen by God, so who can accuse me? And from eternity to eternity, he's God. 
the eternal God, who always was and always will be, has chosen me, and no one and nothing can snatch me out of his hand. Like, it's just not possible. So even when our situation looks uncertain or unclear or challenging or difficult, I'm still chosen, and still no one can snatch me from his hand. There's such security there. There's such protection and purpose in our being chosen. Um, And not just that being chosen, but who we're chosen by. Like this, these few verses in Isaiah, um, God talks a lot about himself. No God was formed. There'll be no one after me. I, even I, am the Lord. Apart from me, there's no savior. From ancient of days, I am he. Constantly calling us to look up and remember who he is. Like, yes, it's important we know who we are, but it's much more important that we know who he is, who this God is, who, who we serve who this God is, who we're called to be witnesses for, who this God is who chooses us and whose hand that we're in and that no one can snatch us from, the one and only God. There'll never be another. Um, again, that would be a, a prime attack of the enemy to bring accusation. You know, actually, well, you know, is God even real? Is he even for you? Is he really, is Jesus really the only way? Surely you've got other options. Surely you could try something else. no. There'll never be another saviour. It's only Jesus. So multiple times in this passage, God is stressing, it's me. It's only me. Um, There is no other. But that assurance of us being chosen by this God um, is so profound. You are chosen by God. He's he's not going to change his mind. There's nothing you can do that's going to make him change his mind. He's chosen you to love you, to adopt you as a son, as a daughter. And nothing can snatch you out of his hand. Even though sometimes it feels challenging, it feels shaky, nothing can. But what I want to really dive into this morning is there are three things in this passage that really jumped out at me that that we're chosen for. So let me read that first verse to you again. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, my servant whom I've chosen. So that, so we're chosen for purpose, okay? We are chosen so that you may know and believe and understand. Three things that we're chosen for. To do, they're not, and they're not just activities, but they're, they're kind of parts of our life that should be absolutely present. That we would know and believe Him and understand that I am He. Is what God says. So I want to look at those three things this morning. So starting from the position of knowing I'm chosen, knowing no one and nothing can snatch me from His hand, but I'm chosen for something. I'm chosen so that I would know Him, believe Him, and understand. So I want to look at those three things um, because I think that the reality is. Um, Some of us, sometimes, maybe most of us, sometimes, we can write ourselves off or limit ourselves based on current experience or or past experience and that actually we settle for more living a life where we feel distant from God rather than knowing God. Or maybe we settle for actually just really having to deal with the fact that, you know, we're more often going to have doubt than we're going to have belief or that we're going to more, you know, live with... um, confusion or uncertainty rather than understanding but and I know sometimes that's our experience and I know that actually that is sometimes what parts of our Christian walk can feel like but but God has said he's chosen us for something different you've been chosen to know and to believe and to understand and so it's not good enough for me to write myself off or put myself in a box when actually God says this is what I've chosen you for and this is the God who's from eternity to eternity so like what he says is true And so whether my experience matches up with that right now, I've been chosen to know, to believe, and to understand, and so have you. And so I want us to start off by thinking, listen, actually, some of you may be maybe written yourselves off or limited yourself as actually that's that's not really me. It is. That is 
what God's chosen you for. So yeah, there's process. Yeah, there's times when that feels hard, maybe where it doesn't feel like our experience. But listen, it's not okay to settle for anything less than what the word of God says is planned and purpose and available to us. Um, so the first two things, to know and to believe, understand it's, um, it's important to notice that what God actually says is that, that you would know and believe me. Okay, so it's personal. It's not that we would know things about God, we would believe certain things about God. It's that we would know him and we believe him. And that's what we're chosen to do. <clears throat> so let's look at those words. And if you look at the original Hebrew, they, um, as often is the case, it means a little bit more than our, our direct translation in English sometimes. So the first one, looking at to know God, okay? That word in Hebrew is yada. And always when God talks in the Bible about that his call and his desire and his heart is for us to know him, it's absolutely about relationship, not information. It's, not, it's never good enough to say, I know things about God. The call and the invitation is always, and it's what God says here, I've chosen you to know me. It's always personal. So that word know in the Hebrew actually involves all of my humanity. It involves my emotions, it involves my will, it involves my intellect and my mind and understanding as well. But there's no distinction in the Hebrew for knowing between head knowledge and heart knowledge. But for us, when we, we hear knowledge, we definitely think head, right? We think about what goes on up here. But the Hebrew, yada, to know God, there's, there is no distinction. It's that I know him in my head and my heart. But listen, and it, it's really important and that we don't just think it's just about head knowledge, um, but the thing is, it is also about head knowledge, right? There's nothing in the Bible that doesn't do anything other than highly value wisdom and understanding and thinking and considering. Like, it's all the way through Scripture. So, so head knowledge isn't irrelevant, but it's not, it's not the end goal. And it's certainly not the complete way that we know God, far from it. So that Hebrew word, that the invitation to know God is just as much head knowledge and heart knowledge. There's no distinction and it's to know him, not know stuff about him, to know him personally for yourself, as much as you're chosen individually. You're called and invited to know him individually. Second thing, believe. So the Hebrew word here is aman. Um, it gets translated different ways. And again, for us, believe, it, it sounds a little bit like there's a sort of a list of a creed of certain things that I will give my mental assent to. Again, that falls way short of actually what this means. It also gets translated to be firm, to be faithful, to trust in. It implies assurance, steadfastness, and being sure. So there's something about this word here that God's calling us to that believe that actually implies some certainty and some confidence. Not just grit your teeth, well, I'll believe you. It's actually there's a certainty in us that is believing and trusting. It's not just about agreeing with a creed. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, that stuff's important. But it, it's not just a tick list of believing up here. Okay, it's again, it's all of me. And, and biblically, if you look through the Bible, you can't separate out belief and trust. It, like, it, it, you can't. Believing in God it, in the biblical sense is that I believe and I trust. That I believe and I rely on. And it, it has an outworking. There's, there's an always an, an activity associated with belief. So it's not just stuff that I kind of, you know, make an agreement with at any level. It actually makes a difference. So you can't separate out believing from trusting. 
that we step out onto and relying on the one that we say we believe in. It's far too easy to say we believe in Jesus. But actually, do we trust him? You know, we say we believe he's the God of miracles. We sung it this morning. But actually, do I step out and pray for the sick? Because otherwise, do I really believe he's the God of miracles? Well, I don't, probably. Can you see what I'm saying? So believing has to have an out. Um, otherwise, we're not going to get there. I've used this analogy before. But, you know, I can say I believe in the principles of flight. I don't understand them at all. I cannot understand how those things get off the floor. It messes with my head. But I do believe in the principles of flight. And there are scientists who could explain that for us. I don't get that. But I do believe planes fly, right? I believe in that. Um, but having faith and, and, and really believing in it means I'm going to do something about that. So I have to then put my trust in what I say I believe, that planes can fly and I can fly to France. I have to buy a ticket, get on a plane and sit on a seat. There's, a, there's an element of activity and trust that I put my trust in the thing that I say I believe in. And listen, it's not good, of, uh, good enough for us to say that we believe in Jesus. We believe in the supernatural. We believe that the kingdom is coming in and through us, that we believe that we make a difference, that we believe in the power of prayer, that we believe in miracles if we're not also willing to step out and trust in the one that we say that we believe in. But it's believing in him. That's the call, that we've been chosen to believe him. Actually, what God says is true It's the most true thing there is, is the word of God. So we believe him and therefore we put our trust in him. He is who he says he is. He will do what he says he's going to do. I have to believe that and therefore I have to trust it. So believing God cannot be separated from trusting God. It's it's half, it's it's one side of the coin. Um, But we've been chosen to believe with that certainty, with that assurance. And the third thing that we've been chosen for is to understand, which is been, been, I don't know how you pronounce that, B-I-Y-N. Now listen, this one definitely makes me think brain, right? Again, it's not just that. It's not primarily cognitive understanding. It isn't. Like, it's not about me um, having everything figured out and knowing exactly why that happened, why that didn't happen, why this worked this way and why, like, that isn't it. The longer I walk with the Lord, the more I realize I don't understand But listen, me understanding stuff is absolutely not required for me to live in complete peace. Like, you know, it says in the Bible, actually, that we can have peace that passes understanding. So so my understanding gets here, but there's peace that goes way, way, way beyond that. And we have to settle for, listen, there's stuff in the kingdom that is mystery. There's stuff that I don't understand, and I might not ever understand in my human reasoning. And so that I could sit down and give you a reasoned argument, well, A and B, therefore, equals C. Like it, it just isn't always like that. So to understand God in this context is not primarily a cognitive thing. It's not about having it figured out all the time. Actually, what it means is this sort of understanding is, is more about actually discerning God's ways and understanding his ways. And again, actually, it has, um, it has an implication of action as well so that I discern his ways, I learn to hear his voice, and I'm able to walk in that. That's what understanding looks like. So biblical understanding, like biblical belief, actually is quite active. It's about how we live as much as it is about what goes on between my ears. Um, I think Proverbs 3 kind of is a really helpful context for this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are really well-known verses. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. 
Like we know that verse really well. It's on Frid Magnets and you know, we know it. But actually, if you look at it, these, these three elements that we've been chosen for, to believe, to know, to understand, are all in there. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trusting, remember, is the other side of the coin of belief. Believe in God and trust him, not leaning on our own understanding. That doesn't mean we don't think. That doesn't mean we shouldn't pursue wisdom and understanding. Read the rest of Proverbs. We definitely should. It's valuable. But we don't lean on that. We trust in and we lean on the Lord, not on our own human ability to understand everything. And in verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge is from the exact same Hebrew word as the, ver- the word that's translated to know in that Isaiah verse. Does that make sense? So it's that yada word. It's the same root word. So, in all- so a better translation probably of that last verse would be in all your ways, know him. Recognize him. Yes, acknowledge that he's God. Yes, there's a power in doing that, but it's more than that. It's in all your ways. You can and you should know God. So can you see how all these three things work together? Trust in the Lord. And it's really interesting to me that the call is trust in the Lord with all your heart, not all your decisions, not all your thinking, not even all your will. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And again, for us, we think heart, emotion. For the Hebrews, heart is the center of the person. So it's your mind, it's your will, it's your personality, it is your understanding, it is your emotions. But with all of you, trust in the Lord. Believe that he is who he says he is. He is going to do what he says he's going to do. Don't lean on your own ability to understand everything all the time. And in all your ways, know him and be known by him. Like That's the way that our paths are made straight. And that's the way that we walk in peace. Even in the middle of real turmoil, there's peace for us. So all these three things work together. And God has chosen each one of us um, in order that he might, he is going to, listen, God doesn't call us into things that he's not willing to provide for us. So God is, is wanting to work with us um, to help us know him, believe him, and understand. And all those three things are really important in part of us being witnesses for God. Actually, I do know him. I do believe and I trust in him. And I do understand. So I'm convinced that we should... We should each of us experience knowing God, believing God, understanding God. But I think we should all expect and look for an increase in each of those three things. So actually, like a deeper personal relationship with God, that actually I feel like I know him more than I did a year ago. Actually, that there would be a growing confidence and assurance um, and activity and yeah, and confidence in that how I believe and trust in God. So not just that I'm more sure in my head, but actually I'm more sure where I put my feet because I know he's what he's like. I know his nature. I know what he's asking of me. I believe him and I'm growing in belief. It's not a static thing that, you know, when the day I became a Christian, I believe in Jesus. That's the belief thing ticked off. I think we should be growing as believers, growing in belief, in faith, in trust. It's not static. And honestly, I think we should be growing in our understanding that we should have an imp- an increase in our discernment. Actually, I, I'm more sure of who God is, even in the situation where I still don't know, I don't understand why that happened, but I do understand who God is in that situation. And I think we should, so I think we should all expect to be growing in these three things. And listen, I think there's an entirely biblical precedent that we should be asking for that as well. We should be praying for each other and praying for ourselves that we would be growing 
in knowing God, believing God, and understanding God. Let me give you two examples where it's, there's absolutely a biblical precedent to be praying this for ourselves and for each other, which is what I want us to do this morning. Um, Ephesians 1, verse 17 to 19. So there's two amazing prayers in Ephesians, one in chapter 1, one in chapter 3, where Paul is praying for the church, praying for believers. And this is one of them in verse 17 of the first chapter. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I think I I can see all of those three things. No, believe, understand in that prayer that that's what Paul is asking for. That his prayer is that we'd have wisdom and revelation, that we'd have that discerning, that understanding, but in order to know him better. Verse 17, that's the, the end goal of this prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, yes, would give you wisdom and revelation, but so that you would know him better, so that we'd know him. And then that we'd also know this amazing hope, inheritance, power. Three things he's praying for, that we'd know the hope, the inheritance, and the power that is absolutely available to each one of us who believe who believe and trust. But Paul is praying that there be more of that for the church in Ephesians. So that makes me think, I can pray that for myself. I can pray that for you. You can pray that for me. We see it again in Colossians. Colossians 1 verses 9 and 10. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. It's the same thing. It's this journey, these three things that as believers are understanding and growing in the knowledge of God, it's increasing. And that's what Paul's praying. We continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Spiritual understanding is what the journey is, not humanly being able to understand and figure everything out and have the answer to everything. That's not the understanding. It's the understanding that the Spirit gives that is, gives that assurance. And that's, what the, that's why the peace that passes understanding, because my human understanding runs out here, but my spiritual understanding that God gives goes way much further and gives so much more peace and certainty. But the goal is, again, his prayer is that um, we would bear fruit in every good work as we grow in the knowledge of God. So we should be growing in our knowledge of God. Not knowledge about him, but knowledge of him. So you've been chosen, I've been chosen to know, to believe, to understand. Always have been, always will be. And so it's absolutely right, and there is a biblical reason there why we should and we can ask that for each other and for ourselves. And I think that should be our continual journey of transformation and of maturity is actually that I'm increasing in those things. There's more assurance, there's more certainty to my knowing God, to my believing in God and to my understanding his ways. And, but, I, but listen, I understand that's not always our experience. So I think, you know, it always is it's like, what do we do when the, with those times when actually I don't feel like I know God that well or I don't feel that close to God? Actually, what do I do when my doubts seem way louder than my faith? 
Okay, and I, all of us, I'm sure, have had times when we feel like that. Actually, when you know my confusion and my uncertainty feels way more present than my understanding of what God's doing and what He's asking of me. Um, honestly, those are the they are absolutely are common experiences of every believer. So, if that's where you find yourself this morning. I don't think there's a person in this room who couldn't say, either I am there or I've been there, or, and probably I will be there again. Like, that is part of the journey. There is these tensions. That's why I love, um, we even sang it this morning, it, that verse in, um, it's in Mark, the story with a father with a oppressed son who brings him to Jesus, and Jesus says, everything is possible to him who believes. And this father's amazing response is, I do believe, but help my unbelief. It's like, and I'm like, that feels like that's my life. I absolutely believe. But so often unbelief wants to come in and, and chip away. And, and so often that is the enemy coming with these accusations. Well, you prayed for someone before and they didn't get well. Why would it be different this time? Actually, that is accusation. Yeah, it's, and it's chipping away. And it's, we have to be super careful that we understand. Listen, Bill Johnson says it beautifully. He says, faith is not the absence of doubt. It is the presence of belief. So don't wait you know, until you know, we don't. If I waited you know, until I never had any doubt that, you know, in stepping out and praying for someone. Like, none of us would ever do anything. If we waited till all our doubt was entirely gone and we felt full of nothing but absolutely rock-solid, assured faith, nothing would happen. Like, we live in that tension of, I do believe, but help my unbelief. But listen, what I'm, what I'm trying to get across is, listen, you're chosen to believe, not by limited by unbelief. So you need to stop being more, stop being so focused and impressed with your unbelief as you are actually the faith that is a gift from God. That things are available to you as those who believe. But listen, those times of tension where I'm more confused than I understand, like that is part of the journey. Um, absolutely, there are times when I don't understand. And I think there's ways where these three, these three things, that we know God, that we believe God, that we understand God, that sometimes one of them feels, you know, feels really low. Like, I don't understand at all, but I'm absolutely going to choose to believe like, actually, our belief comes to the forefront, even where our understanding feels like, we've not got much in the tank there, but I believe. Actually, I know God. I cannot understand what's going on right here, but I know God's faithful. I know he's come through for me in the past. So where this looks really challenging, I know God. And so, actually, that almost that covers the deficit in my understanding right now. So we need to, can you see how we need to have these three things and that they all interact um, and I think, you know, Phil was talking last week about um, actually what would it look like for us to not just obey kind of, well, you said it, and okay, but actually to believe, to step out and with faith-filled obedience, actually to step out with expectation of God's going to do something amazing. And listen, that is the goal for us, and that absolutely is where we should be aiming. But, I, but we also do need to recognize there are times when we're like, okay, I'll choose to believe, I'll choose to obey, and actually, I don't feel like I have a huge amount of expectation or confidence, and yet we step out. And I think sometimes we can, we can feel like when we, when we do that, that it's, it's less valuable to God, and I don't think it is. I don't think we should settle there. I absolutely believe, like Phil said, we should be faith-filled and expecting God to do amazing things. But there are times when um, it is actually... Faith isn't that I have no doubt. It's just that presence of I'm going to choose to believe. Um, and I, I actually think there are times when that's really precious to the Lord. Let me give you an example of a, a time when I've really felt like I learned this in, in a massive way. So it says in the Bible, doesn't it, that um, the most important commandment is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah? So with everything we are. So my, our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions. 
but we're also called with our spirit and, and physically as well with our bodies. We're called to love God with every part of us. Um, and so I remember a time when I, my older sister had been walking through this journey of um, her and her husband just not being able to have children, you know, were, you know medically it was um, infertility. They, they weren't going to be able to conceive naturally. And so we'd been praying and fasting for years, um, and they'd been, then they'd had treatment, and, and, um, and she got pregnant, um, having IVF treatment, and she got pregnant, and at 11 and a half weeks she miscarried. And I can still remember my dad phoning me. So she was on holiday in France with her husband and their two, her two stepchildren. And, you know, so she went off to a French hospital to miscarry this baby that was so longed for, so prayed for, so believed for, and she miscarried. And, and honestly, it was shattering, like really, really shattering. And, um, and I remember for weeks, in fact, probably months, like, Leading a church in that context is really hard. Like I, I'm not sure I've got anything to say from this stage about God's goodness and us having faith in him and trusting. I, was, I remember I was supposed to be speaking, I think, the Sunday after, and I said to Phil, I've got nothing. Like I just, I can't do this at all. Um, so I slid my notes over to him and he stepped in. And, and it, it went on for weeks. And I, I remember having a, a sort of a, a tussle one morning. And I was reminded of this verse, um, this greatest commandment, that we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I was like, okay, I feel, like genuinely, I say that's the only time in my life I felt absolutely brokenhearted. Like I know what that phrase means. I was like, like emotionally, I feel shattered by this, so grieved by this. You know, I've, I've, I've got nothing in my heart to worship you with God. Okay, so my soul, like, can, I, can I love God with my soul? My mind, I was so confused. I was like, like why has that happened? It's like, it'd be better if she didn't even get pregnant than this. Like this is the worst. What? And I still have no answer for that why. Like, I haven't. So I was like, my, I was so confused. I was like, nope, I can't worship you with my mind. Um, you know, and, and spiritually, I was like, my faith felt really low. And that's a really, you know, that's a hard place to be leading a church when you're like, I'm consumed with doubt right now. So, but I landed on, listen, God, the only thing I can do this morning is make a choice of my will. I'll choose to believe you. I'll choose to believe you're still God. I'll choose to believe you're God. And I, and I remember feeling almost a little bit like, that's it. That's, that's all I can, that's all I could muster up. Um, and it felt, I felt like it went on for quite a while in terms of like, God, I choose to trust you. I choose to believe your God. I don't know if I really believe that. I don't feel that. I don't understand that. I cannot see how you as a good God in any way, how that works down here in this situation. But God, as an act of my will, I love you. I trust you. I believe in you. And um, and the weird thing was, I, you know, I felt like it was such a, you know, poultry offering. I was like, you know, this is just not going to be pleasing to God at all. I don't know how to say it other than I've never felt God's pleasure, maybe, in terms of, he was, I felt like he was really pleased with that as an offering. I felt it was so lacking. I was like, I am riddled with, you know, God, I'm angry with you. I am disappointed with you. I don't know what I believe anymore. Like, it really shook me. But I was like, God, I choose to believe you. And I... I really felt God was pleased with that offering. And so I'm, what I'm trying to get across is, listen, I absolutely want for us to be a faith-filled, obedient people of God. That's what we're chosen to be. So this verse in Isaiah 43 is, listen, we're called to be his witnesses. We're called to be his servants. Yes, in the new covenant, we're friends and we're sons and daughters. But like, there is stuff for us. Like God's going to call us to do stuff that's going to cost us, that we are going to need to obey. And 
And the goal is I want, you know, I want for us to do that. We're in a position of faith-filled expectation that God's going to do something awesome. But I want to speak to some of us who maybe have found yourself in positions where you're like, really all I've got is okay as a choice of the will. I think there's times when God's like, that is a most precious offering. It's like the widow's mite. You know, what she gave was pence. It was so small. And yet because it was all she could bring, Jesus was like, that's the most beautiful thing. And, and honestly, that's what I felt in that season of time. And listen, I absolutely didn't stay there. And God's been, God's been so faithful. And, and a verse that sustained us as a family, and, and definitely me, was um, in Psalms where God says, I'm confident of this. I'll see God's goodness in the land of the living. And I remember just thinking, God, I'm going to pray that. You know, actually, I, you know, the fact that I have nieces and nephews, and she lost three children in the end. Actually, nieces and nephews in heaven is a beautiful thing. But I was like, God, I, I, I want to... I want a, a real niece or nephew I can hold. Like, I believe I'm going to see my sister have children. And, um, and she adopted a, a little boy last year. So my new nephew's been with us for a year now. And, and it's like, he is God's goodness in the land of the living. But I really did know God's goodness, like, in, in the... And my sister's testimony is, is amazing. In fact, the first thing she texted me after the, the first miscarriage was that verse in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understanding. I remember looking at it going... Like, how, how are you texting me that right now? You know, her testimony is amazing. And so my belief actually was at all-time low at that point. But through that, through that whole journey and that process, like, I feel like I understand God more. Even in situations where I've still got the only place I can hang that, you know, there's still that kind of confusion and heartache. And go, why did that happen? I don't understand. But, you know, I know God's faithfulness. I understand that actually in times of lack, he always wants to come um, uh, and be close. In, in seasons where we're, there's brokenhearted, it says he's always close to the brokenhearted. You know, he always is looking to restore, to redeem where there's been mistakes. Like that is his nature. And so I don't understand what happened and why any more than I did, but I do understand what God's like and I do understand his ways more than I did. And so I feel like I know him better and I believe him more because of those things. And so there's, there's this constant journey and this constant interaction for us as chosen, deeply loved sons and daughters, that we would know God, we'd believe God, and we'd understand. And so the more we walk with him, the more we should grow in all of those three things. You know, actually that we hold on to the things that we know and the one that we know, even when there's stuff we can't figure out. Actually, and then we are more able to walk in faith-filled obedience. Like Phil was talking, not just... You know, I, I, gosh, at that time, it was, I, I genuinely, it was, it was precious to the Lord when I was just like, God, I'll choose as an act of the will to trust you. But listen, that, gosh, if that was the whole of my Christian journey, that would be pretty grim. I don't, and I, but this thing is, we can, we can settle for that. We can write ourselves off. We're like, you know, I'm not really someone who experiences God or feels him close, and so I'll just choose to believe. Like, there's a, that's a part of your walk, but listen, that's not that. That isn't the whole journey. So the danger is that we set off a distance from God rather than that knowing relationship that is actually available to us, that we, we resign ourselves to just kind of constantly manage doubt and disappointment rather than believing in God. And that actually we have constant confusion and lack of clarity rather than that understanding that is available to us, that we say, well, that's just what my Christian walk looks like. like no, that's not true. That is an accusation. And who dares accuse those that God has chosen for his own? You're chosen to know and believe and understand. So we have to come back to that place. Um, but actually knowing, you know, even that sort of the bookends of that beautiful bit in Isaiah 43, that actually you're chosen by name and nothing can snatch 
you from his hand. Like you're absolutely sure that. No doubt, no disappointment, no confusion, nothing can snatch you from his hands. Um, but I really want us to take some time to, um, to pray for one another. Um, actually, for, and for those of you who actually feel like, do you know what, I need, I need either knowing God in believing God, in understanding. I'm like, oh, yeah, that feels like I need more of that. And so I want, us to, I want us to pray for one another. And I actually want us to do it just kind of as a whole church family in our seats. And some of you might need to stand for all three of these things, and that is completely fine. Um, but listen, Paul was praying for that church, that they would grow in understanding, that they grow in their knowledge of God, that they grow in their knowledge of him as they believed in him. So increasing in knowing God, believing God, and understanding his ways is absolutely there for all of us. So let's not settle for where we're at, but I want us to pray for one another. So, um